0: Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Podcast. Uh, it's great to have you listening in, and we hope that this message comes as a great encouragement and blessing to you. Uh, if you'd like to know any more information about Morrisville Baptist Church, please check out our website at duwww.morrissolbaptist.com.Mu: When I was driving here this morning in the car, I really felt on my heart um, that something that I didn't write in in these notes uh, but needed to be shared was um, it's really important to distinguish the difference between two things, and that is the difference between things that might be a fact and the things that are in fact a truth. That there is a stark difference between those two things. and We can think about our own lives at this current point in time, and you can probably consider some scenarios where we need to examine the difference between fact and truth. Example being, uh, one fact, we live in a very fallen world. We live in a world that is surrounded by darkness, by evil, but the truth is that we are called to be set apart from that and to live in the light. That fact is that we live in a very unusual time when life is just not normal, it's frightening. But the truth is that it won't always be that way. Fact that each one of us sits here this morning, maybe with sins sitting on our hearts, and me too, we are but humans, but the truth is that if we are willing to surrender those things, that darkness, to surrender that sin to to God, that the truth is we can be set free. So this morning we talk uh, about Jacob, who is uh, one of the heroes of the faith in our series, and uh, before we start, uh, I just thought I'd share with you that I, am, uh, I studied history of art when I was in my last year of school, and since then I've really enjoyed art. So I've brought to you this morning a visual connection with the life of Jacob through some lovely artworks, none of which resemble any uh, sense of biblical fashion or biblical style whatsoever, because uh, all of this art practically comes from the Dutch, uh, the Dutch realist period. So if you want to imagine what Jacob really looked like, don't bother looking up here because it won't bear any resemblance whatsoever to what Jacob really looked like. But hopefully we can take you on a little journey through the life of Jacob. I'm going to start just by opening in some prayer. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts here this morning be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer, May you use me today as a vessel for sharing your word and speak to all of us this morning. Guide us, speak to us, and be with us, we pray. Let us examine our own lives with humility and look for how you are speaking to us. Amen. There are five key themes this morning. Uh, the first is just going over who Jacob was. The second is uh, talking about the plan that God had for Jacob. Third, that his family was faithful but wanted to see God's plan in their own way. There was deception amongst the family and finally hope that like Jacob, who was a sinner, God had a plan for him. We as sinners can also be part of God's great plan. So Jacob, his name means deceiver or cheater. He was born to Isaac, who was 60 years old. I can't think of a worse name to call your child than cheater or deceiver. However, I'm not Isaac. And at the same time that Jacob was born, or in fact, just before Jacob was born, he had a twin brother called Esau. And Jacob was actually born holding on to Esau's heel. And from the moment that Jacob and Esau were born, God had declared that the older will serve the younger. And as we'll find out, the Old Testament characters don't always like God's plans. They often want to see things work out in their own ways, a bit like we often do. So Isaac was old and he was blind, and he asked Esau, his firstborn son, his favorite son, to go out and to hunt for food so that he could eat. He selected Esau because we're told in the Bible that Esau was a hunter, where Jacob, the younger, is a home body. And already there's a potential problem here because Esau is Isaac's favorite, but God's plan is different. And do those words sound vaguely familiar to you? That you may have a plan, but God's plan might actually be different. Something important to point out at this point in time is that in Genesis chapter 27, everybody's getting it wrong except for God. In the Bible, as in life today, we don't always see people, even God's special chosen ones, getting it right all the time. The Bible presents real people just like you and just like me. Isaac and his family love God, but every one of them is getting it wrong. There are lies, there's deception, there's selfish ambition, there's rebellion against God's plans, there's anger and even hatred. The amazing thing about this story is that God will still accomplish his plan, but there's a high price to pay for this family's disobedience. The family is going to be ripped apart. Isaac knows God's declaration that the older will serve the younger, but the older is his favorite and he stubbornly resists God's will and is looking for a way to give his blessing to Esau. Isaac appears to be trying to do the right thing because traditionally, birthright and blessing would have been passed on from father to oldest son. But as the head of the family, Isaac is responsible for ensuring that the family is abiding by the word of God. But he, the seemingly innocent party, is actually initiating these divisions by trying to bless the wrong son. Then we get Rebecca, Isaac's wife. Not looking biblical at all, very demure and very Dutch. She was eavesdropping. I promised Michelle I wouldn't make any jokes about woman and eavesdropping. And she heard Isaac's instruction to Esau to go out and hunt for food. But Jacob is her favorite son and she wants him to get the blessing. She calls Jacob over. Oi, come here. And she gives him an instruction. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. What is Rebecca doing wrong? For one, she's plotting a huge deception and on the other, she's disrespecting her husband, but you might ask, isn't she just trying to do the plan that God already had? Well, she is. But she's trying to accomplish the plan according to her way and her time. And it'll backfire. We can't achieve God's plan through our ways, despite the fact that I'm sure we've all tried it. The message here is that God will work out his plan, but your schemes. Our schemes will always cost us. What's the blessing anyway? The plan wasn't the birthright. That's the inheritance and the responsibility for leading the family, which Esau had already given up to Jacob in Genesis chapter 25. You wouldn't believe it. But Esau, who would have received the birthright, was hungry and said to his brother Jacob, I want some of your food. And Jacob, remember, his name means deceiver or cheater, said, ah, you're hungry, brother. Fine, you can have some of my food, but there's a price. You have to give me your birthright, your future responsibility for the spiritual leadership of our family. And Esau gave it away. But it's different to a blessing. All children want a blessing from their parents. They all long to hear how special they are, how much we love them, how wonderful their lives are going to be. And there are two essential elements to the blessing. One is a proclamation of who they are, and the second is a revelation of where they're going. It might sound like, my son, this is where I see you now, and this is where I believe God is taking you. Or, my daughter, I've watched God do this work in you, and this is the plan I think he has for you. And isn't it interesting that that sense of blessing, passing a blessing from parents to children, has almost entirely fallen out of society today. We have stopped blessing our children. A blessing is about believing God for who he made your children to be fact our children live in a fallen world truth they can still live in the light even at the tender age of my children, one of whom is down there on the floor eating something with his first tooth even though they are so small and so innocent, I know that God has a blessing on their lives but they need to hear mum and dad cheering them on they need to hear that we believe in them that we know that God has a plan for them. We need to pray for our children together. We need to pray with our children. Every single child needs a blessing. And I've seen that too many times in school where children wander through life without a blessing. without the blessing of their parents and particularly dads giving a blessing, kids wander without direction. They ask questions like, who am I? Where am I going? And it's not surprising really that there are so many young people who do fall off the radar. They're walking down the track and suddenly something comes and they decide, actually I've had enough of walking on that path, I'm gonna gonna change. Where am I going? I'm not going here anymore. I'm going there, there's something missing and it's that blessing, it's that prayerfulness in their lives. I wasn't able to find the exact figures, but we know that there is an enormous correlation between the number of male inmates in prisons and missing fathers or male role models. I believe we can mitigate some of those issues by encouraging parents to lay blessings on their children, and not just parents. Grandparents, The, the, the power of a praying grandparent an uncle or an auntie praying for a niece or nephew. Everyone can offer blessings and prayers for our children. I really encourage you to do that. So our chapter continues. But Jacob said to his mother, behold, my brother is a hairy man and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to him to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go, bring them to me. Notice here that the text tells us that Jacob was afraid that he might seem to be mocking his father. Never mind about what he was actually doing. He was just worried about the way that it looked. And this is where Jacob gets it wrong. He puts his reputation over his character. It's not who I am it's what people think of me that's important. And we talk to the children at school about character or about responsibility, and we tell them that character is how you react or how you behave when nobody else is watching. If you're in a room all on your own, what are you doing? Are you doing the right thing? If you're in a classroom, and Mr. Jensen forgets to do his photocopying in hops out for a minute to quickly photocopy that missing worksheet. How do you behave in the classroom when I'm gone? Because that's character. Our chapter continues again. But Jacob said to his mother, behold. Oh, I beg your pardon, I'm gonna carry on there. Um, I beg your pardon. Rebecca even reassures him. She makes a plan to deceive her, her husband even further. Rebecca took the best garments of Esau her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck, and she put the delicious food and the bread which she prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And result, it works. Jacob goes in with his brother's clothing, the fuzzy arms and the food all ready to go. But Isaac still seems a little weary. I can hear his old man voice. How is it that you've found the food so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob carries out the charade, faking the whole situation by pretending to be his older brother Esau. Isaac is fooled. He asks his son to lean in and he says, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And if we pause the story of Jacob just for a minute, imagine the power that we would have with our children if we were to pray a blessing like that over their lives. How God would move in our children with words like that. The blessing's been given. And it's a blessing that aligns with the same blessing that God laid upon Jacob's father, Isaac, and upon his grandfather, Abraham. It was God's plan from the beginning, and it would be accomplished one way or another. But the repercussions of Jacob's lies, Rebekah's deception, and Isaac's reluctance to acknowledge God's plan started immediately. No sooner had Jacob exited, stage left, Esau walks in, stage right, A narrow escape, but it wouldn't last. Esau enters, and both he and Isaac realize straight away the deception. Both are shaken, but Isaac finally realizes that the blessing was meant for Jacob. After all, Esau is fit to kill, and he begs for a blessing. Imagine him down on his knees. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he's taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants. And with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said, imagine, still begging on his, on his knees, Father, have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even so, O oh my father. Esau doesn't receive his father's blessing, and instead Isaac says to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Maybe there was a reason for this. Esau was a hunter, a manly man. He was into the flesh, Perhaps he was not interested in spiritual things. After all, don't forget he gave away his birthright in an earlier chapter, casting it off as if it was worth nothing. That birthright included the spiritual leadership of his family, and God seemed not to be interested in giving a blessing to an individual who was only interested in the flesh. Esau, understandably enraged and has murderous intent, Rebecca. Demure Rebecca, hearing Esau's plan for revenge, sends Jacob away to live with her brother until Esau has had time to cool off. But Rebecca, who don't forget, had tried to accomplish God's plan, but in her own way would pay a high price. She would never see her favorite son, Jacob, again. As for Jacob, he's still no great God-loving man just yet. In the text, he still refers to the Lord as his father's God, not his own. But God knows his future, and his plans will be accomplished not through the man that Jacob is, but the man that Jacob would become. He has a long journey ahead, and because of his lies, that journey will be a lonely one. So what can the story of Jacob teach us, relevant to our lives in January 2022, here in middle of Moronsville? Well, like many of the heroes of faith, Jacob was by no means a perfect man. There is no perfect man or woman in this room today. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. As the story of Jacob continues, he dreams of a ladder which goes up to heaven with angels ascending and descending. He hears God at the top of the ladder who repeats many of the blessings upon him. The location of his dream he names Bethel, meaning God's house. He wrestles with an angel and God renames him Israel. He fathers 12 sons, all of whom become the heads of their respective families and become known as the 12 tribes of Israel. He was a deceiver, but he was also deceived. You see... Jacob eventually returned and had to face his reality, Esau. Jacob sat in a holding pattern for many years whilst God moulded his character and his heart. So when he met Esau, later in his life, God had worked on their hearts and their relationship was restored. We may face many challenges with our own families. God will work in our hearts and in the hearts of our family members and can restore lost relationships. Fact, we live in a broken world. Truth, we can be the light in a broken world. Fact, our families can be fragmented, can be completely torn apart. Truth is, they can still be restored. That's why it's important to pray for our families and why it's important to bless our children. Worship team, if you'd like to come back up, please. So Jacob, a deceiver, was used by God to fulfill his plans. If God can use a deceiver to carry out his plans, how much more can God use us? Sin is all the same. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us will ever be perfect whilst on this earth. But if God can use Jacob, he can use us. In fact, if God can use Jacob, I believe he will use us. We mustn't be so blinkered to think that our own sinful nature can stop God from working through each of us. Every person on the face of the earth is made in God's image, is loved by God and can receive God's blessing. If only they would open their eyes, their ears, their hearts and follow God's plan in His way. That includes you, it includes me, it's all of us. Let's pray to finish off. Lord, thank you for the work that you do in our lives. Thank you that you are a God who sees past our sinful natures, past our weaknesses. You are a God who always sees the potential in each of us and uses us for your good works. Help us to humble ourselves to your work and your plans, not seeking to do things our way, but to allow your plans to be unraveled in your way and in your time. Thank you that, like Jacob, we can separate fact and truth. And the truth is that your ways are greater than ours. Bless each of us as we leave this place, and may you be glorified in our weeks ahead. Amen.